Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of the Freedom Caucus podcast. Glad to have you on the bus with us. And we've got a great program lined up today. A, a lot of activity has been going on here in Washington. And of course, part of our purpose is to give you a little bit of an inside baseball as to what is going on, what you need to know about, and what the Freedom Caucus uh, and conservatives are actually involved with. It's been an extremely active week, and joining me today to discuss this is our chairman of the Freedom Caucus, Andy Biggs from Arizona. As always, Mr. Chairman, hey. good to have you on the podcast. Jody, it's good to be with you. Thanks for what you do. Jody, uh, for anybody who's watching and doesn't know, Jody is the comms guy for Freedom Caucus and does a terrific job. Well, He's you're very right kind. right there in leadership, and we really appreciate all you do, Jody. Well, you're very kind. Thank you very much for that. Well, listen, we have, uh, goodness, it's kind of difficult to even know where to start, but let's begin with this, and this is really what I want to focus on, and so we'll just jump into it. Um, we have had an effort this past week to vacate the chair of Nancy Pelosi as Speaker of the House. Uh, this has been a long, drawn-out thing. Many of us have been involved for months in this, but it actually came to a meeting uh, which we'll get into all of that, uh, a meeting in our conference. But, Andy, why don't you begin just by going back months ago when this whole effort to think about and start taking steps toward potentially having a motion to vacate the chair. Why was it necessary and what has brought us to this point of what took place this week? Well, Jody, uh, thanks. Yeah, the, the House Freedom Caucus... Uh, in one of our meetings quite some time ago, as we were discussing um, basically how Nancy Pelosi as speaker has denigrated the institution, ir almost irreparably, when you, when you consider everything from allowing proxy votings for the first time in the history of the nation to, I mean, and we're talking, we're talking a nation that's gone through wars, a nation that's gone through uh, a 1918 Spanish flu e epidemic. I mean, we're talking a, a nation that's faced a lot of different crises, and yet somehow... Congressmen and congresswomen were expected to come and do their, their and job. And they always did. They always did. So that was one thing that was really offensive. But then you, you think back to the impeachment, um, how that didn't, that didn't pan out. I mean, the things that they said had happened, which the evidence, concrete evidence, was that it did not happen. And by the way, we're, we're almost exactly a year ago to the day when she came out and said, we're going to start this investigation. Even the way she started it was contrary to the rules and history of this place. So she had a whole buildup. And then, and then um, so we started working on this. We started telegraphing this to leadership and others a uh, long time ago. But if you look at what happened uh, once uh, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away. Oh, wow. Everything changed last week. That's exactly right. And the rhetoric was, was just ratcheted up. Um, and, I mean, you can look at things where they didn't discipline people for being openly anti-Semitic. And yet they come out and President Trump is going to engage in, in, in his constitutional obligation and right. And somehow that's an impeachable offense to Nancy Pelosi. At that point, we said it has now reached the point of no return. And so we need to remove Nancy Pelosi. OK, so that's where it started. And you mentioned a lot of uh, great points of uh, really issues that uh, Nancy Pelosi has done that really make it worthy of moving forth 
vacating the chair, but you were not exhaustive in any of that. No, I mean, no, there's a you, lot more. You hit on a few things, but there are just absolutely time. Regular order, for example, yeah. you and I and the Republicans as a whole, we've had zero voice in the last two years. No amendments allowed. I mean, on and on and on and on. Uh, so there are multiple reasons. All right, so let's fast forward. We come to the meeting this past week, uh, which in itself, and I'd like for you to get into this, it was difficult to even get a meeting. We had to have a petition requesting a meeting. Uh, so talk us through what happened this past week, including, at least from a bird's eye view, what happened in the meeting. Well, I want to give you two, two main points that I think that people need to understand as well. When Nancy Pelosi became speaker, one of the things they did is they changed the rules to make it harder to remove the speaker. And, and so those rules said basically that only our minority leader or their majority leader could actually make a motion to remove the speaker. And that meant that we had to be subject to our rules, right? And um, so we needed them to call a, a meeting so we could have a discussion, debate, and, and if possible, have a vote. And so that's what we ended up doing. We didn't, we couldn't get that just by asking. Um, so leadership really wanted us to, to demonstrate, I guess, wherewithal. And so we did, and we we got way more than the required number of signatures uh, on a uh, ostensibly a petition, petition to, type, yeah, yeah, yeah to mm -hmm. remove Nancy Pelosi. And so they had to give us a special meeting, and they gave that to us yesterday. And I'll tell you that uh, Liz was great. And even uh, uh, Leader McCarthy was great. Work Liz Cheney, uh, who's our conference chair, they were great in, in in helping organize it. And it didn't go down exactly the way I would have uh, hoped it went down. But but I think they were very cooperative once we demonstrated that there was wherewithal there and there was uh, enough, uh, not just HFC members, but a lot of other members as well. Yeah, and I, I think it's worth bringing out to this point uh, two two things. Number one. Had Freedom Caucus not been taking the lead charge in this, there would never have been a meeting to even discuss the possibility of vacating the chair. It is 100% because of the efforts of Freedom Caucus that we were even able to force a meeting to discuss this issue. Second thing I would bring up from my observation of, of being in it all was that we moved the needle. Uh, like you referenced a moment ago, we didn't move it the way we wanted to. We did not come out with a vote to proceed with a motion on the floor to vacate the chair. But our entire conference, I kind of got the impression, and tell me, I'd, I'd really be interested to know you. I, I had the impression going into the meeting that there was going to be a significant amount of opposition to us, uh, that horrible idea, let's not even go there end of discussion kind of a thing. But as one member of the Freedom Caucus after another stood up, spoke powerfully, brought the reasons to our conference, uh, I really felt like we moved the needle to the extent that the conference is open, at least to the idea. Unfortunately, they want her to do more horrific things before we proceed, but at least they said that is, using her words, an arrow in our quiver. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, a, I'm with you on that. I think the needle was moved. I think uh, I didn't quite know what to expect from the conference, but I, I thought we had a real open and honest debate. And I, people on both sides were able to get up and say what was on their mind. And I will tell you, I was really proud of the HFC guys. Yeah. And uh, they, they got up and they, 
they very forcefully but clearly and without rancor explained what was why we were doing this and i think there was there was uh, actually energy in the group and i think most people that i talked to afterwards said hey you know what uh, we're with you on she needs to be removed we're not sure there was maybe it was a timing issue timing, yeah. or something else but but in any event i think we actually opened up a great dialogue we moved the needle and what what ha- what came of that as you know is now uh, Leader McCarthy uh, has, has basically said this is a, this is a, an arrow in our quiver, and and the result is him being out there, you being out in the media, I've been out in the media talking about this. Is Nancy Pelosi today is basically backed down from some of her really ridiculous rhetoric? Yeah, and so from that perspective, the needle has been moved. Now you mentioned a while ago the uh, a passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, and how that has um, really brought, uh, it's changed everything. The, the whole picture in Washington instantaneously shifted gears with the announcement of her passing, including this whole argument of potentially vacating the chair. Elaborate a little bit more on that. Why, was, why has her passing been um, such a major reason to shift gears up here well so um i mean there's a lot of there's a lot to unpack in that for sure um you know and by by the way i just want to say that i really felt like the whole conference was pretty unified when by the time we walked out yesterday. yeah i agree and i did not expect that coming out i wasn't expecting that but pleasantly surprised that um, freedom caucus gave the argument and it was overall well received yeah i thought so too um, and, and one of the things that we brought up um, in, as we presented was that the world has changed since uh, last Friday when uh, uh, Justice Ginsburg passed. And it's changed because um, you immediately saw the Democrats, um, I don't know how else to say it, but they freaked out. Um, and the reason that they freaked out is because they view the court as theirs. It, they they have a real tough time getting their policies through because the American people don't, aren't a socialist left uh, leaning nation. We are a center right nation, so they've they've relied on a predictably activist liberal wing of the court to carry them through. And Ruth Bader Ginsburg, quite frankly, has been the leader, intellectual leader of the left on the court. And for them, uh, you know, they some had actually encouraged her to uh, retire. Uh, when Obama yeah, was. Yeah, years ago, yeah. Yeah, but, but, the, but she didn't. She was trying to make it through with the idea that hopefully, in their, at least in their mind, that President Trump would not be there to, to replace her. So when she passed, um, uh, you know, what it did is it triggered uh, an incredible uh, panic on, on the other side. And you saw it in the hysteria of Nancy Pelosi's rhetoric, Chuck Schumer's rhetoric. He bring, instead of bringing Nancy Pelosi, he brings AOC to the to the to the for and and they start talking about rioting in the streets and 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 uh, whatever it takes to prevent President Trump from exer- exercising his his constitutional obligation and right. Now that overshadows and plays right into the motion to vacate because um, it, it basically has taken the focus of not just Washington D.C. but the entire political spectrum across the country away from. The what I would say, or the, what I would complain, are the misdeeds of Nancy Pelosi, and is now focused on how do we get 
our nominee through what will un undoubtedly will be one of the briefest, but also one of the most hostile um, confirmation processes processes in the last uh, 40 years. Yeah, there's no question uh, about that. And uh, but we, what else are we going to do? I mean, you look at the environment right now, really through the mail -in, universal mail-in ballots uh, with no voter IDs coming into this election, it's going to be filled with fraud. Uh, there's going to be, we won't know the final results for days, if not weeks and weeks after the election. It's going to the courts. Uh, you cannot have a Supreme Court that split four to four. At some point, the vacancy has to be filled. No, you're, you're exactly right, Jody, and and that is one of the points that I think we forcefully made yesterday, uh, is that we're going to need somebody there um, as well. Uh, so, so here's here's a lot of folks may not realize this, but um, in Pennsylvania, uh, they've actually already found um, thrown away military absentee ballots that have been turned in. Wow! And so, so you you're beginning to see. Uh, problems already, and and for most places we haven't even started voting yet. They they believe in a lot of uh, the left believes in a lot of things. Number one, that, that they should have the control of the court. Number two, uh, I really think that they've tried to put in place um, those types of mechanisms that would allow them to take the election away from President Trump and. And there's even a constitutional pro, uh, provision that says if we get to Inauguration Day and the Electoral College has not named and voted on a president. Then guess what? Then guess what? The folks, that the lady that we would like to have removed vacate. from office, yeah, vacate the chair, would be the temporary president. And it's interesting to me. I mean, we just, you and I just walked off the floor prior to coming into this podcast uh, on a motion to recommit, which I won't get into the details of that, but it's a procedural thing. And a dozen or so Democrats voted yes. with Republicans on this motion to recommit. That is a no-no. The majority party is always supposed to vote no on any MTR. They have voted with us probably at least a dozen times now. There is fracture in the Democratic Party, uh, significant fracturing there and there is a possibility i think i think nancy pelosi is really fearful of this motion to vacate she has people in her party that are not following her orders even on simple things like a motion to recommit it is happening over and over and over that they are going against her leadership and that has to be in the back of her mind that if this motion to recommit ever comes to the floor it could indeed be problematic with her. So my question is, um, will she try to impeach the president and uh, kind of play poker with Kevin McCarthy, who says, if you do it, we're going to proceed with the motion to vacate? Well, that's a great question. I, I don't think she will do it now. I think I think uh, the upshot of what happened yesterday, and we, we all came out pretty unified, I felt, and so... Uh, Kevin could make that uh, that uh, that statement very very strongly, and what you say is exactly right because the fear is oh she's going to release so many people to vote with us to, so they can protect themselves in their election, but what she also has to realize is she won the actual speakership 
by the skin of her teeth last time. Yeah, what was it? That's a great point. What yeah. just, it was just two it, or three votes. Wasn't yeah, it? it was two votes. Two votes. And and so all you needed was was a couple of people to switch sides, and and you have a, a different fight on the on your hands as the Democrats trying to get a speaker. So she's never been, you know, secure in her speakership, right? I mean, so and and for us to be out there pounding on it from this side. It really provides a, a kind of a vice grip and gives not just us leverage, but it also gives different uh, coalitions against her leverage. Within her own party. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I bet there's been some discussions about that. All right. So the, the specific issue that um, McCarthy brought up is if uh, to Nancy Pelosi, if you proceed with impeachment over this uh, appointment to the Supreme Court, then we will proceed with motion of AK. Is there anything other than uh, her impeachment proceedings, impeachment 2.0, that could potentially uh, cause uh, the leader, McCarthy, to say we're still going to proceed with a motion of AK? I think there's some some things that uh, harken back to where we were a year, year and a half ago. Um, if she were to allow or encourage either Adam Schiff uh, who, by the way, really wants to, or um, Jerry Nadler, who also would really like to, yeah. uh, open up a new series of investigations to hassle and harass the administration. I think you would have uh, a, a rationale to proceed with that motion to vacate. I think a, another point would be um, if she continues to um, be silent and in some cases allow her members to f actually foment violence in the streets, I think we'd have to say, look, it's, you, we are, we're supposed to be the body that makes the laws. You should not be encouraging uh, uh, this kind of lawlessness that's, you know, that we're seeing all over the country today. And I think I, I, the third thing that would, uh, uh, I think, trigger it as well, as well is if, if, if somehow she allowed manipulation of the elections. Um, mm -hmm. I think all three of those things would warrant. Um, uh, but would that be a little too too late if we're waiting well, till after the elections are manipulated uh, but who knows i mean yeah. you, you bring up some good point you you look at the rioting in the streets really again i think largely because of the efforts of freedom caucus i know chip roy has really been leading the way on the floor talking about where is the speaker with what's happening in our country and the the violence and she's totally silent on that issue to the extent that, as you said, even members of her own conference are beginning to say, we cannot be the party supporting breaking the law and violence like this, and yet she is still silent. I, I think that is a, a great uh, issue that could potentially be problematic for her. Well, I think it's problematic within her conference because she, she's got people that are uh, in tight races and 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 what we're finding, and you're seeing this, I'm sure, in Georgia, but is is people across the country, they may be concerned about COVID or jobs and economy, but they're all concerned, all concerned about their safety in their neighborhoods and their families and in and, and their communities. And if you have a leader that is not leading on that, uh, to stop that, in fact, uh, they, they, they should be they should be saying to the Portland mayor, for instance, bring it together, get it together. But instead, so many of them are, are even encouraging defunding the police yet. I mean, when you start, it's just mind-boggling. you have violence like this happening across our country, and your solution to the problem is, let's defund the police? 
Well, I, it, it does. It makes reason stare. I mean, <laughs> yeah. when you think about it, you're mm-hmm. you're talking about um, uh, uh, some of these cities with just hugely increasing crime numbers, whether it's murder or or, or rape or or, or um, arson. And they say, let's let's get some kind of community organizer out there to meet with these people that are uh, tried to try to intervene. It's a failure to understand uh, reality. And the reality is this: if you want to stop that, Jody, and I, you've heard me say this before, you need you need police to arrest somebody. You need a prosecutor to file charges and prosecute, and you need a judge who allow a trial and due process to go forward. And if the person's guilty, then you then you convict and sentence. But if you don't adhere to this process you will have a problem almost non-stop because because people don't get I I mean part of what keeps some bad people in check is the thought of the punishment that would be waiting them yeah there's no question about that well you know our purpose on this podcast is to pull back the curtain a little bit enable people to see a little bit more of what's happening behind the scenes and this whole motion to vacate I, I'm, your, your district is similar to mine in that probably uh, you have seen, as I have seen, when I bring this up in the district, people go nuts. They want us to vacate the chair. Uh, but it's not that simple. There's not a magic wand to say, let's just vacate the chair. There are multiple factors going on. And uh, at the end of the day, we've got to get our conference behind uh, that idea. Uh, and we didn't get them fully on board to do it now but they're on board to do it uh, should it should it become necessary. And so I think at the end of the day, not only has it been a great week for the Freedom Caucus, it's been a great week for America that um, the Republican Party has exhibited the willingness to take a stand against Pelosi should she continue doing some of these egregious acts against our Constitution and the institution here in Washington. Well said, Jody. I couldn't say it any better. Uh, I'm not sure I believe that. Well, listen, folks, our time is up. We, as always, want to thank you so much for joining us here on the Freedom Caucus podcast. We appreciate it. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to get in touch with us, of course, uh, you can do so multiple ways. At Twitter, simply at Freedom Caucus, and also Facebook.com slash Freedom Caucus. Hope you have a fantastic remainder of your day, and we will see you next time right here on the Freedom Caucus podcast.